Welcome to the Loco Parentis podcast, a fostering and adoption podcast featuring former cared for children and adoptees. Hosted by me, Twana May, a former cared for child and adoptee. This week we have Sophie Willen, comedian, writer and actor. In 2016, Sophie took her debut show to Edinburgh on record. And in 2017, Sophie's second show was nominated for the Edinburgh Comedy Award. And that was for Branded. So your first show, Sophie, hello. Yeah, hello. Hello. We know each other, by the way. Um, your first show on record is about how you got, is about giving, being given your records. records at a station. Yes, I got my records back from social services when I was 23. And they gave them to me at Bolton train station. It's quite a strange experience because I'd, I'd actually called up to get a letter of support because uh, I wanted to go to university on a curlever's bursary. So what they said is, we'll do you a letter to support the application for it. And they said, oh, we've got all this information on you. Would you like it? And I thought, well, being a naturally self-absorbed person, I thought, oh, yes, more about me. That'd be fabulous. <laughs> anyway, I ended up meeting the social worker at the train station and she just gave me this plastic bag full of all these records. How big was it? How, how... Well, I can't say that thick because you won't know what I'm doing. I'm two Kit Kats. Yes, two <laughs> Kit Kat long ways, yeah. lengthwise. Yeah. <laughs> Oh no, one one long Kit Kat. Oh, what, like a, oh right, Kit-Kat, chunky Kit Kat. Right, okay, yeah. okay. That's the new Kit Kat. That's the new uh, measurement. Yeah. Uh, Kit Kats. Yeah. And what was in it? Your file. So everything. So you know, they've done records of you know every every single incident that had happened. So you know, me being removed from my mum's or any time the police had been called, any time there's an incident, any meeting with me, any meeting with my mum, every conversation you have with a social worker, you know, there was one record that said, you know. Sophie was in a rebellious and defiant mood, you know, on the journey back. She continued to tell me that she didn't like me, didn't like her foster parents and wanted to live on her own. How old were you? (laughs) Yeah. Good choice. Yeah. I think, you know, even then I I was, I saw myself in a fully furnished Manhattan apartment, you know, but, you know, so they file everything. So it's like every single thing you do. And, you know, there's a lot of labelling around that as well. You know, rebellious, defiant and rude were words that came up a lot in my files. And I was interested in, you know, talking about labelling, not just from my experience, but from wider experiences, really. You know, I thought there was a lot of welfare shaming going on at that time, mental health shaming. You know, there's programmes like Benefit Street and Bring Back the Boss, or they were irritating me. So I thought using using my own experience, you know, I could kind of redress a bit of balance with who, that. Who really. wrote these? Is it all just from your social worker in this, or is there stuff... There's other stuff, stuff from, my grandma wrote some letters as well. Yeah. It was a bit odd. <laughs> what, to who? She to wrote the... letters to the social services, actually saying that she didn't want to have me and I should, you know, it's like, there's some quite heavy stuff in there that you didn't realise was in there and then yeah. you get these records back and it kind of it adds everything up. Did the, so the woman <laughs> who handed this bag to you at the station, what did yeah. she say to you when she was handing this bag over? She actually said... Good luck. <laughs> I know, and she looked at me quite sort of worried, you know, which is not what you want, is it, from someone handing you your life story in a plastic bag for them to look concerned. <laughs> and I understand because it was quite full on. There was a lot of information. Yeah. Is there stuff in there from the police? Because I've never seen my file. Have you not? No, I've never seen it. No, there's not stuff from the police. There's, there is a couple of... Uh, there's a weird uh, section in it that's about... Uh, child safeguarding safety in, in the area because there was a group of children 
that were involved in the investigation. I was one of them because mm. they were a bit worried about what had happened to these children. There was somebody in the area who was quite dangerous, and there was so there is other things going on in it, but. You know, there's it's lots of different things, really. And then school reports, you know, if I'd have had any trouble wow, at school, okay. that would have been in it as oh, well. Oh, wow, I'm just sitting there thinking about my report now. Yeah, you'd be in trouble. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it's a funny one because I've had lots of different people get their records back that I know of at different times. Mm. And I was born at a different time to, say, you know, my friend Lem or Louise, who, you know, they're now 50, and... The, the law changed. So when they got their records, you were allowed to write in the records as if they would never be seen, whereas now there's a law. Yeah. If you're writing a file on a child, you know, you have to write as if they're in the room with you. All right. Okay. And know that they will probably, they, they may have access to them in, at some point in the future. So there's a certain procedure now. Consideration. Oh, that's there's good. A certain consideration. And I used to work on the panel for uh, social service things, and my job was to read files and make assessments and to be on a panel to help the assessment process of uh, future foster parents yeah. or, or continuing foster care for a child or something and the files are very different because you can tell that the social worker is constantly considering that these children I, might get these files back i realized because my my younger brother who i didn't grow up with but <clears> who i do know he's seen his file and he was hugely disappointed with it but then he mm. told me information that was in his file that I know wouldn't be in mine because he was younger. When you say disappointed, what do you mean? Oh, Upset I just, or... well, I don't know. Well, I don't think he believed the information that was in it. Yeah. He found it, basically, he he went to go and find our mum. Yeah. And they were like, well, you need to read your file first. And then he was kind of like, yeah, but I just want to go and find her. Mm. And they were like, but you need to read your file first. So he read his file and he went, well, I don't think any of this happened. Really? <laughs> yeah. Right, and, God. um... I mean, you can get just files muddled. Yeah. That did happen with me as well. Yeah, but well. he wouldn't have known anyway because he was nine months old when he went into, you know what I mean? Yeah. He went into care at, he didn't know what happened to us. Yeah, and like the oldest sibling. Yeah, like so, was... and so his, his, in his file was just about what happened to him. Yeah. So it's kind of like, yeah, there was this kind of stuff going on in the household. That's why he's removed. It's like, well, I don't think that any of that's true anyway. Right. And so. So what do you think that's about then? Oh, that's about him just imagining her to be amazing. Right. And him in his family that he grew up um, with, not being able to talk about where he'd come from before, because we would never, he was never, that was never discussed. So I mean, it is a funny one, isn't it? Because the ethics can be a bit off, can't they? Mm. I mean, Lem had he talks about it quite a lot. What happened to him? They removed him from his mum's house and yeah. then just kind of stole him and changed yeah. his name yeah. to Norman. Yeah. You know, there was a racial problem there. He actually has recently sued them for sort of racism and damages, you know, which is great. And they did a really good, you know, formal apology, which they should do, really, you know. But, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? Because they completely lied and... and... I don't know. I always kind of... After seeing... Because your show was the first time I ever saw Files. I didn't... So when I saw your show in Edinburgh, that was the first time I'd seen kind of a fostering file. And it kind of made me think about what's written about me. Yeah, yeah. And by who. Yeah. Because no one ever spoke to us about what's going... I I never had a conversation with anybody about what was going on in the house. It's kind of like... Yeah. We did... I don't know how it happened, but social services became involved in our lives. Mm. And the police were involved in our lives. And I know adults were having conversations. Yeah. But no one ever said... No, a social worker never sat down at any point 
from when I was two to when I was adopted at like nearly 15 of like what actually was going on so it's kind of like there was bad stuff going on yeah yeah but I always kind of think what did they what and I'd be interested in that sense what's what to see to see but then I also don't want to see it because I'd be like would you ever request them I don't know you know (coughs) I don't know I just think I'm not it's a whole whole load of trauma and baggage mm-hmm. that, that I'm not really... You might not need to unpack Yeah, it. yeah. I'm you quite happy I mean? to... I know it exists. I've always kind of known that there's yeah. there's this thing officially... There's positives and negatives to it. And I do think, you you know, maybe at some point you get past it and actually it's a bit too late to dig into it. Having said that, Louise, my friend, Louise Walwyn, she got her records back uh, only two years ago, I think it was. So she must have been about 49. So she did wait till quite later on in her life to get yeah. her records back. And I think that was a tough process for her. I got mine back, like I said, by accident. You know, that's. I don't think that sort of thing happens now. Yeah. They're actually quite good about it. You know, the whole system, you know, you're getting your records back, social workers will sit with you. I think there's a lot more procedure. They don't just hand it to you at a train station on platform four, you know. And also, I took them back with me and I just read them on my own. Then I just sort of felt overwhelmed and sad and had a cry. Then I put them away, didn't think about them, got really, really hammered a week later and then sort of burst into tears on a night out. You know, and then I felt really embarrassed, full of shame because, you know, it was really unprocessed stuff and I had no one to talk to and I was quite young, you know. So I just packed them back away. Then eventually I went for therapy that later that year, you know, and started yeah. that process, you know. But actually, you know, there was nobody talking to me about it. So when, you know, I work with quite a few younger people now who have been through the care system and, you know, always talk to them about if they want to get the records back, making sure they've got, you know, support network yeah. and they don't do it particularly on their own or they feel that there's someone they can actually read them to and with. That really helps. I can't, that's, to me, is, <clears throat> did you speak to somebody? Have you spoken to anybody since about the way that you're, Yours was handled. I spoke about it in my show, and actually, mm. weirdly, Bolton Council were a partner on the show, and they did fall out with me. And I wonder <laughs> if it's because, like, they're just a bit pissed off because I don't know if they were thinking they wanted like a positive advert. But for me, you know, what I was doing with that show was not about them as a business. It was about you know making an awareness for young people in care, and they should be supporting that. They're not a business that we should be going. And our Bolton Council, amazing, you know. I was mm. just talking authentically about my time and experience yeah. and, you know, maybe it irritated them along the way. I don't know. Come on, guys. You, know, you yeah, messed up a this, bit, seriously. A funny yeah. thing with it, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. So how old were you when you went into care? Well, I would, I'd, I'd been in and out. Of, I, was, I was in and out of the care system and mm. I wasn't actually in a care home. Mm. I did spend a few nights in care homes, mm. you know, and I had a week once, I think, in a care home. And, like, emergency respite foster care was in care homes. So respite foster care is when you get taken in the middle of the night if there's a big emergency or whatever. And then, um, so that happened quite a few times. And then I went into foster care when I was about seven with foster parents called Auntie Dot and Uncle Harold, who were lovely. Um, and they, that was in Kirsten. Who were not your aunties. Not my yeah, aunt and uncle. Yeah, I had an auntie Janice as well. Yeah, it's bollocks, isn't it? Mm. I don't know if they do that now, but mm. they just like, it's the government want to trick you into thinking you're related, as if you're not confused enough. She was know. white as well. So was she? Yeah, yeah, so that must yeah. have been confusing as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is, isn't it? It's strange, you know, but I don't think they do that anymore. Mm. I think they just, you know, they want you to feel 
safe, I don't know what. But the auntie and uncle thing is weird. But they did buy me some lovely slippers that I really like, some purple dog slippers that, that made me feel relaxed. And they lived on a farm. So there was lots going on. You know, animals are healing for children, I think. I had a one-legged chicken called Klaus that I had to look after, and he was lovely. You know, I always say that about that, you know, my shows, you know, because Auntie Dot came over to me and she said, Sophie, this is Klaus. I want you to look after him now. He's got no friends and he's only got one leg. I want you to talk to him when he's lonely, feed him when he's hungry, stop the other chickens from bullying him and prop him up when he falls over. And I did. <laughs> I looked after him a lot. It was lovely, lovely chap. And then I went to my grandma's to be fostered. Yeah. And that was more long term, but that did break down eventually. Um, and then I went back into the kind of sort of the system when I was 15. Yeah. Yeah, it was a kind of supported housing scheme. So it was kind of in between foster care and independent. It's called independent living. Yeah. So you live in a house, there might be other people who are in your boat. And then a, a landlady type woman who teaches you how to wash and clean. And, and then you pay her money. So it's like, I've got income support and housing benefits. So that actually, I moved in before I was, fif I was 15, but I was supposed to be 16, really. And I did the Bolton Accommodation Project, it was called, which is now closed. Yeah, and then eventually I got my first flat when I was 17. Yeah. Mm. So the times when you were leaving <clears throat> care, I was getting adopted. Mm. Yeah, God, it's crazy, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's strange. That was quite... So you went straight to adopt. I was nearly adopted. Um, do you think that was? Did you feel? Do you only feel any regret about that at all? What being adopted? Yeah, or you think really happy with that? I wanted to be adopted. Mm. When I was, it got to the point of when I was about six, is when we were made. I was made a water court. We was it was over. Yeah, and it was like we'd gone backwards and forwards a few times. Mm. She tried at that point when I was. Um, when I was six, she had five children, and it's mm. like we d the the younger two were never coming back. She was never getting the younger two, and it was kind of let's try and see if she can have the older three. Yeah, and it's like it's, it's not working. I was there on my own with her for a bit, and it's like it's, this woman is. I'm taking she's taking me. It's just there was a lot of just everyone it's was just, just trying really to funny to think of you at six thinking this woman. I'm oh, ma <laughs> mate, I was yeah. I was over I this. I was, you're always I was six over, going yeah, on. Yeah, I was over 35. it. But if somebody had asked me at three, <clears throat> is this all working? I would have gone no. Let's let's stop. <laughs> this woman hasn't got a clue. She hasn't really hasn't got a clue. But no one, no one asks. This is a thing. No one ever asks children. I suppose you, you can't ask kids, but you also can because they know what's going on. See, they did ask me. That's a sign maybe at a slightly different yeah. time because they did ask me. And I remember just kept going, I want to be with my mum. Yeah. They kept saying, who do you want to live with if you've got to go anywhere mm. so far? And I just go, my mum, I just want to be with my mum. So it was maybe a different... Yeah, no, no one ever asked. But then I didn't talk. Yeah. I didn't, I was a quiet, I didn't speak. I was, right. one of them, I was one of them children who just was like... Silently pissed off. Yeah, like yeah, I, I am imagine now. You. Yeah, you've not changed. <laughs> like I am now, I'm like, just I can imagine off. you at six. Just exactly the just, same. Yeah, it is. It's just like, I remember when I was, um, how old was I? I was about four or five. See, one of the things I remember being in care was just weird things would happen to you. Like you'd get called out of class for weird things. Mm, there was always that slightly, you feel a bit othered because yeah. I remember I missed maths every week because it was the session that I would go and see my mum. Yeah. And I always struggled with maths after that because I missed those early 
maths yeah. classes, stuff like that, isn't it? I got it? called out. I think I was in nursery. I was in maybe I was five. I was I was in infants, and um, I'd got called out. I had to go and see the, this doctor just to be weighed and um, measured, and listen to my heart. And mm. I was like, I'm not happy about this. No, I, don't, I really don't want to be <laughs> here. And I was with my mum, who is um, who adopted us, but she was yeah. my foster mum at the time. And um, I remember standing in my pants and my vest on this cold floor just thinking, oh, mate, yeah, I am yeah. so not happy about this. And he was like, oh, can I listen to your chest? I was like, yeah. Well, yeah. I didn't say anything. He yeah. said, I need you to lift up your vest. I was thinking, I'm not lifting up my vest. Yeah. <laughs> you can... So I shook my head at him. Yeah, and he asked yeah. me again and I shook my head again. And he asked my mum and my mum looked at me and said, can you lift? I was like, no. And he went, and my mum's like, no, she's not going <laughs> to. So he listened to it from my vest and he went, oh, and I was thinking, because it's a vest. It's not, it's not, yeah. come on, <laughs> what are you doing? So yeah, yeah. I was obviously, loads of little bits like that, like yeah, that, which is really like just. You. Yeah, it's quite funny because, you know, you'll be an adult man and I bet yeah. he was a bit intimidated. Like, yeah, just like this really kind of headstrong, yeah. sort of like with little pair of glasses on as well, just like go, <laughs> look, That's something yeah, just shaking their head. Yeah, so, yeah, so we, what was I saying? So we got taken into care when I was two, so. We didn't see her when I was six, and then I kind of knew about. I knew we knew that we were in we were yeah. in foster care, and we knew that we weren't. She was she was never going to be our mum again. That that was that yeah. that was said, and we were happy about that. Did you feel a relief? Yeah, then? yeah, yeah. See, I felt the opposite. I felt really sad with because I felt very connected to my mum. Yeah, I still do, really. You mm-hmm. know, but it's a strange thing, isn't it? How yeah. you have kind of different responses to it really I suppose everybody has very yeah. different responses don't they she was dreadful she was a yeah. dreadful parent and she was dreadful most of the time to us and was she us. mean to you she was violent right she was violent and she yeah. would disappear as well she would disappear for days yeah so, see my mum was you know absolutely all over the place and yeah. would disappear and stuff like that but she was actually quite nice to me yeah so I think that was the problem she was nicer than grandma actually grandma used to get irritated with yeah. me when I'd come round and you know so it's just, it's a funny thing, isn't yeah. it? Because you think... It's like when you have somebody who's meant to be looking after you, but they're violent and angry. Yeah. And then when they disappear and you're like, we kind of need you though. Because <laughs> yeah. we're young, we we, t- we can't do this without well, you. Well, we had a similar thing where you're left with no food. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the actual social worker had to come, poke through the letterbox and post uh, milk. Really? Cartons of milk through the letter. I mean, I was living in squalor, you know, you're kind of running around with... Mm you know, dog poo all over the place and no food and and actually in the files it does you can see a kind of like there's a it kind of records my behaviour changes through it. I get slightly more I start to get a bit more angry and a bit more and there's a, I talk about in the records it talks about how I mother my mum, you know, and I'm like, well mum needs help or mum's doing this. Well no mum can't do you know so I became like the spokesperson for her and, yeah. you know, very protective over her. But also I was the boss. <laughs> really, a seven-year-old you know, boss, like, yeah. Yeah, well, from like three, four yeah. to, up to seven, you know. And I have all those memories as well. I think that's because you're having to be a lot more conscious. One of the things it said in my files, which I don't know if you've had a similar thing, is that, and I've had to kind of work on this, is Sophie's had to become a, a lot more mature for her age. Yeah. So actually she's missed out on a whole normal growth process. So because she's, and that is true, you know, I've always acted a lot older than my age. But then in another way, there's kind of an immaturity because you yeah. miss out. Like emotionally on, sometimes you can, like your reactions yeah. to stuff can be quite immature. Because you, you miss yeah. out on those 
so in like actual stages when you're having um like a tantrum or so it looks like a tantrum but you're like mm. you're 20 yeah you're like, you, what you, you miss doing? those things yeah, i think like, it's that because yeah. you've had to kind of you skip a skip a bit yeah you skip a bit and also it's just like it's the act the performance of being older isn't it as opposed to actually being you know you know allowing yourself to go yeah. through all those things i think i was the same as a child you know it was, I terrified my cousin Christopher. Mm. He was a pubescent, you know, slightly awkward teenager, you know. And I remember him coming around and trying to talk to me, you know, like a child. And Miriam said, my auntie, it was really funny because he was like, are you so if you're all right? And I, I was about six, so I went, yes, Christopher, I'm all right. But more to the point, how are you? I hear you've got a girlfriend. How are your GCSEs? And he went, Brian, he was just like really embarrassed. He didn't know how to. So like, who is this sort of weird old lady trapped in a six-year-old body? <laughs> Yeah, you know I mean, so I think it was always a bit odd. Yeah, you know, a bit of an odd child as a result. Yeah, I was kind know. of. I, I bet you were a bit like that. I can yeah. see, like, there's photographs of me. There's like um, like there's pictures sometimes when I'm not smiling at the camera. Yeah. It's like because I don't want to smile. Yeah, you there's like this. There's, there's a sort there's, of there's, stubborn no. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. Lady, isn't there? <laughs> so like, I remember there's a picture when um, there's like a school photograph. And we all got taken out of class, yeah. and I don't think we realised what was happening. And it was kind of, I was having a good time or something, and it's like, yeah. right, sit there. And I was just like, I'm not smiling. Yeah. I'm not going to do it. I'm just looking straight at the camera, just like, nah. Yeah. Not, I mean, you've really wanna... not changed. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. No, listen, my personality was, it's, it's, it was it's nailed on. It, by the time mm. I was six, it was, it's there. Yeah. It's all there. Like, the sense of humour is there. The yeah. cheekiness is there. The, yeah, the, yeah. Sh- like the, 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 the shyness is there. And also, like, I can... There's an aloofness as well. Yeah. It's like I can be quite distant. It's like, right, I will just, I'm going to step back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It is funny how it all is set at that age, yeah. isn't it? It's just like, it's like I need to do this for myself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to, this is, this is working. Yeah, this is me. I'm yeah, sat now. I, I found out, yeah, yeah, I found out who I am now. I'm yeah. six. And it I is, know. I think, being in those environments yeah. because you do have to survive, don't yeah. you? It's kind of you. Isn't it on your own in the, in the, in some ways? I mean, with me, you know, that way I talked as a child was it was me and mum. I was looking after us, and you know, I was a bit pissed off about the situation, but I was kind of getting on, and that's very much like an adult, isn't yeah. it? So you do form your character quite, quite strong, I think, don't you? You know, it comes yeah. from adversity. Yeah. Yeah. No. So I think it was important for like. So what I was saying, yeah, I wanted to be adopted. Yeah. Because I was kind of I knew people who were in care and I was I love that. You'd weighed up your options. Yeah. You were six years old going on thirty five. You thought, well, he's in care, it's all right. Yeah, She's but it's adopted. like yeah, but that's then... what I'd like, please, if you could arrange. But it's that kind of thing of <laughs> knowing that you can leave sixteen and not yeah. have a family. It's like we didn't yeah. have we didn't have any connections. I love six you were weighing up all these options. Oh, yeah, it's but... important. <laughs> I thought I didn't want to leave care at sixteen and have no family. Do you think as well because you were the oldest in the yard? I'm not the oldest. I've got my my brothers are older. I've got two okay. older brothers. Oh, I thought yeah. they were younger. No, I've got younger brothers. But you've young. always been more the looking after. I'm that. the brain. I'm the brains yeah. of the outfit. Yeah, you're I'm the, the brains. brains. I'm the brains. So of do you the think outfit. that had a part of it as well because you kind of had to feel uh, you've got a few of you to look after? Well, my mum asked me and my older brothers because we grew up. So I grew up with my older brothers, and she asked yeah. us, and I was kind of. She sort of said, "This is this is the deal. This is what I reckon we should do. We should." Be adopt you. Sh- I should adopt you. Have a think about it in a chat with yeah, amongst yeah. yourselves. <laughs> so we did not like straight, but we did, we did. And I was kind of thinking, I need to go with my brothers on this because they're my they're the only family that I've got. And I was thinking, I'll be really pissed off if they say we don't want to be adopted. That's interesting. So you 
you sat there in a very practical way and were like, right, brothers, come on, what's going on? Well, then? I didn't. I was kind of like, what do you want to do? And they were like, I think we, well, my, my brothers are easy. They're like, yeah, well, I think we'll be adopted. Yeah, they're thinking, like, yeah, this is a yeah, nice this, life, this is all right. Yeah. We've got a nice house. We've got a garden. This is, yeah, this, yeah. yeah. And I was like, phew, this is good because otherwise, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, because I thought it'd be really weird for me to turn around and say, well, you can adopt me, but they don't want to be adopted. What's that do? It's yeah. weird. So, in a way, do you ever wish that you'd done that now? Or what? Not being, a, I'm, I wanted to be adopted. Like sometimes I fall out of my family all the time. Yeah, yeah. But then my, then my it's family. Still... I have a family. Yeah. I have a legal family. Yeah, and, and also your was... brothers are that connection to your gene, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. It's nice to have both, yeah. isn't it, together? And I think it would be, I don't know, you know, I think we're not lucky. I think we're fortunate in a way to have stayed together. Because I think, I don't know, I think it's, it can be so complicated. And if when you've split up kids and you split up siblings and all the rest of it, it just gets a bit... It is a I weird one. I was nearly adopted. yeah. Um, and they decided not to, to go with that. How old were you? It was must have been, because when I was in foster care with Auntie Dot and Uncle Harold, uh, that's when they were working out where to put me. And Grandma didn't want me. She'd wrote a few letters, you know, weird, rambling, sort of mad letters, you know, go, you know just going, I find that Sophie's a vindictive and manipulative child. She came round last time, no thought for me. She took herself a bag of crisps. I was like five or six or something. She took referring to this time I'd come round and took a bag of crisps. So she's very, you know, heavy with her thoughts on you. And there's a lot of resentment, I think, because I was my mum's child and, you know, she felt my mum had stolen her life and then I was coming, going to take the last best ones. Because <laughs> all this. So, you know, she didn't want me, but my auntie Miriam, who was a teenager living with grandma, she really wanted to... What, your mum's sister? My mum's sister. Right, okay, yeah. But she's a lot younger than my mum. She's the youngest, and she 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 was a teenager. She must have been about 14, 15 at the time. And she really wanted me. So just as grandma had written to say, don't want her, we don't want her, we don't want her. And the social services were trying to push for me to, to be placed there. And I think... And then um, she wrote another letter saying, actually, we'll have her. <laughs> and it's because Miriam really wanted me. But actually, I met my social worker, Anne-Marie, who I refer to in my stand-up show as Beakface, because uh, she had a, a quite a big nose. She's a lovely woman, though, and I really remember her. And uh, she actually turned up. I did a book launch. For, I wrote a children's book with some people who'd been through the care system. And we had a book launch. And she actually turned up to my book launch. She said, you know, she was a, and she said that she had never actually wanted me to go to my grandma's. And she always felt that it was a bad fit because there was a lot of resentment. She was pushing for the adoption, which I didn't know really. Yeah. It's difficult. Isn't it is it? an interesting thing because you never know. She said to me, you were always a really creative child. She said, you were very different. She had never met any, any child like you. She said, you had something special. Which you know they have to say that, but, but I don't want to. And you were like, that. and you're probably thinking, yeah, actually, I thought, yeah, no, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah the narcissistic millennial child. I was like, oh yeah, I'm fabulous. <laughs> no, but she did. She said you're dead creative, you know. And, and she said, I'm so pleased you're doing something with it. She said your mum was the same. She said you both have this. You're quite different, not like anyone else. They've been, you know, really creative, funny people. And do you still see your grandmother now? Not really as much as I should. Mm. Uh, it was hard you know, being with her. I never really kind of go into it in the same way in the shows because, it, it you know, it's, it's, people are complicated, aren't they? And they're complex. But I think it was, it was quite a hard time living with her growing up. 
And, you know, she was quite fun in lots of ways. And then in other ways, there was a more depressive modelling, kind of, you know, a bit like living with uh, Mrs. Haversham. Mm. You know what I mean? Sometimes it felt a bit intense. So when I left home at 15, I, in some ways that was a relief. You know, I was quite pleased. I would never, you know, have come back. So I do see it occasionally, but I haven't actually... Like, I don't go around to visit her because it can be quite depressing, you know, and, and I don't like that environment, really. You know, so I, I text her all the time and we'll have talks on the phone, but I just, I don't really go around because it gets a bit, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You know, because she loves a drink and everything, mm. but it's like that drinking on your own. All right. Smoking and drinking, looking misty-eyed and talking about things that depress you. Do you know what I mean? I just, it all gets a bit much, you know. It's like the Edinburgh Festival, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It's, just, it's like that, but all the time in yeah. the head. You know? Oh, dear. Oh, my God. It must be crackers in there. Yeah. It's such a lovely person, but it is a bit intense. It's not always very fun. And also, she's lived on her own so long now. She's quite set in her ways. Yeah. So, you know, she gets really anxious when people come to visit. The last time I went and stayed over one night, which I never would do again, it was New Year 2011, I think it was. And uh, I had a bath and it freaked her out because there was a bit of bath water on the side. She got really worked up because she just got everything in order now so she can cope, you know. So she doesn't want you coming and messing with the system. What about any counselling? What do you reckon to a, a bit of counselling? Have you done any counselling to talk about? I did about? it for three years, yeah. therapy. And I just started therapy again. Because yeah. I think you just have to... Because it's not so much about the past, it's more about the behavioural patterns that you, you, know, you create out of safety and because they become really good coping strategies. But actually they wear themselves out and they, they don't become very useful to you. So I did therapy for quite a while and put some really good strategies in place... You know, and that was really helpful. And then about a year and a half ago, life kind of got a bit chaotic again and mad. And then you lose all those things that you put in place and you actually slip back into old patterns of behaviour. It's really interesting. So actually, the good thing is I've got a file that I wrote and it's got everything, it's like a maps of my, my behavioural patterns and then exit strategies. This is what I did with the um, therapist, CBT. Yeah, I've done CBT. Yeah. yeah. So then you can look at those exit strategies and go, oh, right, oh, God, yeah, no, I've been doing that again recently. Bloody hell, right, well, I need to start. So at least it's, like, really clear. I think it's just that thing, if you've had trauma, any stage, it changes you. Mm. You're never the same after trauma. Post-traumatic stress disorder is a thing, isn't it? If you've had trauma from childhood... You are constantly living, in a way, with PTSD. You, your whole personality has been formed on the base of PTSD. So you have to work quite hard, I think, to try and be a balanced human. And if things throw off course, you know, if you, you get back into old patterns very quickly. It just takes a long... It takes a real effort to be a balanced human being when you've had trauma as yeah. a child. If you have trauma halfway through your life, it can still really fuck you up. But at least you know who you were before it. Yeah. You've got something to go, get back to an equilibrium. If you have trauma from, you know, the moment you're born, those first six years in your life, there's mm. no equilibrium. You know what I mean? You have to set everything and you have to break these habits that are actually your survival. Basically, you're saying, I'm fucked. That's it. It's <laughs> on the podcast. It's official. Yeah. We're not fucked. I just think it's yeah. just accepting, isn't it, that it'll always be a little bit more hard work mm. and stressful for you to be healthy mentally healthy do you know what i mean and you'll always have certain behavioral patterns that you'll slip into that are 
more detrimental to it. And, you know, safety, security, home, stability are things yeah. that are really important to people like me and you, aren't yeah. they? We can't have that, mm. you know, upset of our, of our bases. If they, if, you know, some people, like I moved to London in September, split up with someone last May. Lots of people can do that. You know, they can, you know, leave the big city, leave a boyfriend, have a sort of wild six-month you know that sends me insane i've had to go back to therapy now after that because it's too unstable yeah. for me you know it's it's not like just oh i've turned 30 and life's a bit wild again look at me you know it's like it really throws loads of shit up for you so it does mean that what you are able to do i think in a way changes yeah i totally agree do you with know that. to me yeah i do actually i'm sitting there thinking like uh with my older brothers for the uh for them especially with one of them um Wherever he goes, it's like, have you got any milk and sugar and tea bags? Yeah. Like, you always need to have, like, food and drink. It's always like, have you got, if you, is there always, That's my really older brothers, it's always food. Is there enough thing. food? So if he comes for the day, it's like, have you got any milk? It's like, yeah, I've got a pint. It's like, I'll go and get some more. You're like, dude, you're here for the day. We've, we've, we've got enough milk here. That's a common yeah. thing about needing food in the cupboards. Because yeah, because we didn't have any food. We didn't have any food. Whereas me, I need a home. I need a home. I just need to, I need a home. Me too, I need a calm, safe space, yeah. like this house you're in now, my yeah. flat. It's quiet, it's yeah. calm, it's clean, yeah. I've got my little desk, I know I can do my work. Everything's safe, yeah. I can't cope with that being disrupted. Yeah. You know, and I have this in Manchester, and you know, me and my ex-boyfriend have created this really safe space together where we were able to grow and develop and do therapy when we need to, work from, go out and have fun, but come back, you know, yeah. all those things. And that got disrupted. And for me, that is really yeah. detrimental, is what I've come to realise. Because I did start to think, maybe I can just, you know, be a bit of a free spirit. No, actually, <laughs> yeah. I'm not a free yeah, spirit. Yeah. It's something I've, I've yeah. realised about myself. You know, I thought, no, it's fine. So, you know, just be young. You can go to London and live in a house show. You know, you'll be fine. I cannot cope with the sound of other people moving in the kitchen next to me. At eleven o'clock at night, with yeah. me not being able to control that they go to fucking bed, that is, I can't cope with that. I'm a complete control freak. I don't want anybody doing things late at night when I have no control over yeah. it. It freaks me out. So just, I need silence and quiet and everything to be clean and tidy and and not. And that's because you know you were surrounded by chaos. Yeah. You know, I remember you know the, my mum accidentally setting the living room on fire once when I was like four or five because she'd. She's an arsonist. She loves arson. She's actually <laughs> set a flat on fire at the moment. Really? Yeah, she oh set gosh. Dave, her companion Dave's flat on fire. So they've both been living. And it's a disaster, but she set buildings on fire a lot. She once set a block of flats on fire. Apparently it happens a lot with women with psychosis. They set buildings on fire. Crikey! <laughs> Men with psychosis, obviously they're more likely to attack probably women. <laughs> women... With psychosis. I'm not laughing at that, I'm not laughing at that. No, but women with psychosis, obviously, we're trying to burn down the establishment, the patriarch, aren't they? <laughs> oh. Yeah, she set a block of flats on fire in Bolton once. It was on the front page of Bolton News. I remember it being really embarrassing because I was going to a birthday party, roller skating that day, and all the parents were talking about it, you know, them whispering, you know, my roller skating, nobody roller skated with me that day. You <laughs> But, you know, because all that chaos and stuff, you just, you can't have the kind of, you know. And sometimes I do feel sad about it because it doesn't mean that I can't, I think I'm actually a really adventurous, kind of fun, 
person that probably would have been a lot more free mm. and probably travelled more, mm. you know, you know, more adventures. And I think because of, of where I've come from, I can't be that adventurous and I've had to know my limits. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You have to acknowledge your limits as well. Like yeah. in the last few years, I've kind of, I've come to, like certain things have happened. So like uh, a few years ago, uh, like my younger brother sort of, sort of, he's always been around, like I know him. Um, mm. it's just been like we fell out mm. and all this kind of stuff mm. but then his adoptive mum died like, so he's in a he has a relationship with our birth mum he's had one for with her for about 15 years and mm. that's been bubbling away in the background just being yeah. a thing and a bit of a problem between kind them. of was a problem because when he initially tracked her down he he just he didn't i my big problem with it is he didn't respect us in it in his decision to go and do it he just kind of went and did it. He didn't tell us that he was going to go and do it. And then he just gave out our information, like our phone numbers and all this kind of right, stuff. Yeah, so we had various true. people phoning up. And then the first conversation that she had with one of my older brothers, she was just rude to him down the phone. And I was just like, oh, this is just so, this is not cool. I'm just a bit, I was really angry about it. I was also in Australia at the time when this was happening. So I couldn't really do anything about it. Mm. But it was just like, this is all a bit of a mess. And his whole thing was like, yeah, but I needed to do it. I'm like, yeah, I know you needed to do it. No one said that you couldn't have done it you just had to tell us yeah yeah and, and but, don't bring you in yeah it. you yeah. know and all this kind of stuff and then like a few a couple of years ago his adoptive mum died and then at the funeral <clears throat> our birth mum was came to the funeral and all this so my brother's wish is for us all just to be together again as a family which is never going to happen mm. and and it's in the last few years where I've just realized that this is just going to be a thing it's just a constant like you think mm. oh when you get to a certain age no, it's fine. You just it's yeah. it's over. It's like it's never over. Yeah, I think I've realised that as well because it's like those same patterns will repeat themselves. Yeah. And all you can do is maintain. I, you know, you sort of know that, and then you forget it, and then you remember again, and it, it's a tricky one, isn't it? And it's like I thought I controlled it. Yeah. And so, like, even though I don't really talk about stuff, like I've done a show about it. I've done yeah. a show about, you know. So in stand up, I started to talk about being adopted. Yeah. You know, I made it kind of public. Mm. but I controlled that and then I controlled what was in the jokes I kind yeah. of controlled what was in the show but it's outside it's outside of that it's like if you can't control yeah that. if I can't control it that's I find really difficult like I'm not I'm not really I, I wouldn't say I was a control freak but then I also would say that I was a control freak like I live quite a structured like my life is quite structured in yeah. in the way that certain things happen and yeah, certain people I'd have say information. That you, you yeah. Need, yeah, you need control of yeah. the situation. And I always thought that I, as a family, it was kind of in our families, like we discuss it like this. We just, dis we, you know, we kind of know what everyone thinks about this, this one thing. Yeah, yeah. And we're all on the same page of we don't want to see her, but if we do, we'll let each other know. Yeah. It's yeah. as simple as that. But my younger brother, not in that family, is just. I don't know, and it's like people just bring chaos to your hard door. And it's hard for him because he wants to connect. And yeah, and I and I and I understand. I understand all of that. But you always got find, your yeah. Point. But I always find that he does. I always found from him that he didn't respect us in that. Mm. And I'm like, but you didn't. You didn't turn around and go. Actually, I have messed up a bit here. Actually, yeah. he's, not, he's never acknowledged that. He never acknowledges anything. Maybe there's some anger there for him oh, that he's missed. Yeah, you know, I know, he's, I know, there yeah. is. But I always kind yeah. of just think, I just, you know, this is the thing. It's very know. complicated, isn't it? Because obviously you're all trying to cope mm. with your own experiences. 
you know what I mean, and he's making, yeah. you've got your coping strategy and he's kind of messing with that and yeah. bringing unnecessary stress and yeah. chaos to you when yeah. you, you've set up shop, haven't you? Yeah. Like, this is how I cope. This, this is, is my life, this is what I do. And he's throwing the bricks through <laughs> the window. <laughs> yeah. Constantly. Yeah. It's just like, because so, I know where he lives and he doesn't know where I live. Mm. And he doesn't actually live that far from me. Like, we've never, ever lived that far from so each other. So that's you with your boundaries. I mean, I've known you for a while, and you do have a, a tight ship of boundaries, don't you? Mm. It's hard to get, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's that kind of, yeah. you know, and I think it's, you protect yourself, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I have to. No one yeah. else is going to. Yeah. Well, they're, oh, they're, but, but, but it's you know that I mean? six-year-old. Yeah, it's like, it, I Graham? have to look after it, because no, yeah. no one else is going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's just true, isn't it? Have you been, you've said you did CBT I did CBT, well. I did it about, um, I don't know, what are we now? Maybe like 10 years ago or mm. something. I was miserable. Were you? Yeah, but it was kind of work related, but it wasn't, it was life related. It was just, Yeah, yeah. it was being at my job that I hated, but it was also being, just life was, was getting on top of me and my behaviour was getting more and more extreme. Right, And when yeah. I say extreme, I'm like angry. Yes, I've seen your little <laughs> temper. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just true, like isn't it? just more angry, and not been able to not been able to control it. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting that, isn't it, when you lose the ability to regulate your yeah. emotions through stress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Stress is stress is a, a massive one. Like, yeah, yeah. If I get stressed, it's like that's it, guys. It's it's all it's going to fall apart here. That's that's I know exactly yeah. what that's like. Yeah. yeah, I've been the same with it, like through this period of just and. But being able to recognise it, so like before, I just thought I was cool. I'm just getting a bit angry. You're like, yeah. you're not getting a bit angry. You're getting dreadful. You're smashing stuff. You're breaking stuff. You're breaking your own stuff. You're scaring people around you. Yeah, you, yeah. You're scaring yourself, mm. and then afterwards you're miserable, and then you're just so remorseful. Yeah. Like so horrified at your behaviour, and you're just like, ah, oh, I'm yeah, yeah. It's just, and then you just turn into just some. It's just those patterns. It's amazing yeah. to see, isn't it? And how they will keep popping up when you're under stress. Yeah, I think it's a bit like having eczema, isn't it? Once you've had eczema or ulcers or whatever, what they call the cold sores yeah. or eczema or something. If you get that, you're, prone you're to more it. Yeah. likely to get it again. Yeah. It will exacerbate when you're stressed, yeah. and it's exactly the same things that come up time and time again, isn't it? You know. Like when you move in house like I was, or in Edinburgh yeah. or whatever, when you're under really intense pressures yeah. and stress, it's got to come out somewhere. Those will come and out, it's so yeah. extreme as well. Like I feel it's so extreme. Like it's so extreme. Yeah. Like I've not yeah. had it for a while. I probably did have it in Edinburgh last year or whenever. You ha have but, these things in your life, yeah. and it comes up when you're, you're under intense yeah. stress. And it's really yeah. interesting because she, I, I, I do give the woman like I wasn't. I was really reluctant to go and do it. And someone's like, "You need to go and do this. You're dreadful. You're, mm. you're." Somebody said to me, it's a good um, friend. "Yeah." Somebody said, um, "You're just not a very nice person." Oh bloody hell! And, but I, it, in that in that situation, it's like you're just not a very nice person. And I was just like, oh. Oh. "I'll hit." That, yeah, and it did. Yeah. And I was just like, mm, mm. "That's." I'm going to take that on board actually because of the person who said this. Yeah, yeah. As well, means it in a like a in a loving way, and I was like, right, I'm gonna take that on board. And so I went to go and see somebody, and I was like, I was like, the first few sessions, I was just like, I don't need to be here. Yeah, I'm that's fine, you know. But anyway, I'm here. Oh, yes, and then yeah. it was just kind of like, then you just, and then by the end, it's kind of, I do. Um, yeah, it sorted me out, actually. I was really aware. It of... does. I, I'm a fan of going regularly mm. or topping up. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like going to the dentist. You could do with checkups yeah. and you probably need... 
I think if, if there's any trauma that could, you know, if there's any difficulties, it's good to go back, isn't it? Yeah. Or, I haven't been back for yeah. a while. You I would, yeah, but no, I think I, 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 sometimes I think I should. Because I think well, there's a load, load of stuff about yeah. stuff that's happened when I was a child that I should just turn around and just go, I'm actually quite pissed off about all of this, to be honest. Yeah, because you do carry it with yeah. you. Yeah, and I've never really said, and even though I was doing CBT, it wasn't about, it wasn't, yeah. I wasn't really talking about that, I was just talking about, this is what's happening to your body when you're getting stressed, this is what we need, you, and do I, you, rec- you recognise yeah. this, therefore, blah, 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 do you know what I mean? And I think anger's often the emotion that comes to protect you from grief, isn't it? Mm. I found with me that there's three emotions that uh, are like gates that go down, the first one is anxiety, that's the first yeah. gate. And that's protecting you from anger that's behind that door. And when you get behind the anger door, there's always the grief door. And that's mm. like the shittest door to get to. No yeah. one wants to be at that door. Mm. That's why you put all the other ones in front of it. Do you know what I mean? But it's quite hard to get through, isn't it? To yeah. But you, you kind of, it is a relief, isn't it? When you when you do get it off your chest. Get it off your yeah. chest. Because if you get to that the grief bit, it does stop you with your anger and your anxieties and, and those flowing up, doesn't it? You know, I've, I've found anywhere. Yeah, it's a funny one, though, isn't yeah. it? I mean, Len goes for therapy now continually. Mm. He believes just keep going. And then it's kind of, you know, it's a horrible thing to have to realise that, you know, we have to work a little bit harder than other people. But it is a, it is true. Yeah. You know, when it's, it's a good thing if you're aware yeah. of it, though, isn't yeah. it? I think if you're not aware of it, like I'm... And it like might my, to be a problem. My brothers just, went for stuff when they were younger. They were because they were more um, obvious. Uh, uh, they looked more like their behaviour was more extreme when we were kids. Like I was just like a well-behaved child. Yeah. Like yeah. I was quiet, didn't say much. Yeah. But knew what was going on. Didn't act up. Whereas my brothers were just chaos. They were yeah. just chaos, and it was like it was difficult for them. It's like so if you yeah so yeah if you like if their teacher saw them now they'd be like oh my god yeah. do you know what I mean. <laughs> Like they would, I think the teachers were were worried about them. Do you know yeah, what I mean? It's like yeah. these boys are out of control, but like in a like in a nice way. Mm. Like they were bo- a lot of energy. Yeah, a lot of energy, and all just a bit. But then sometimes like, they were crazy. Them boys, they was absolutely oh. crazy. I remember Adrian um, threw one of it. my mum bought my brother like some my older brother the twins, and she bought them not matching clothes, but sometimes similar stuff. Mm. But they both had a pair of like monkey boots. Yeah, and I have um, boots. yeah, Adrian didn't want them. Like, I think he had a Jason had a black pair. Or anyway, Adrian did. So he threw. Well, one went missing. One <laughs> one went one 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 shoe went missing, and it was. Just, I remember at school we had a school assembly and a teacher sort of <laughs> teacher like <laughs> teacher just. Um, Right, we've got a missing shoe. Because like, it made him like a whole school junior school assembly, and he's like. Adrian was standing at the front by the teacher, by like the head, like the head teacher or something, grinning. I was thinking, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> and the teacher said, "Has anyone seen? Um, we're looking for the other one of this. <laughs> anyone seen it?" And Adrian was like grinning, like this is the best thing that's ever happened. And the teacher went, he said, "Oh, we can't find this shoe." And the teacher went, "You've got one in your hand." He went, "No, we know where this one is. <laughs> it's the other one." But I always always reckoned that Adrian had thrown it up onto the school roof. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I just think that he threw it up. He was having think, a good time. I just think he just threw it away. I just think he didn't. You don't lose one shoe. No, you, you lose a pair. <laughs> Do yeah, you know what I mean, you do not lose. Not unless you've got... had a really ropey night out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like it's things like that. So I they did were... see a shoe actually, just one shoe on the Doncaster on the way back to the train station yeah. Saturday morning. There was just one woman's stiletto 
near the train station. That's somebody running and it's coming off. Do you know You'd what I mean? You'd expect that yeah. in Doncaster, though. <laughs> I'm not being funny, but that Friday I'd done a gig and I was sober as a judge and I was going back to... I've never seen anywhere like it. It was just people... Most people were barefoot, <laughs> drunk, you know. So I wasn't surprised when I saw a shoe. But that's the only other incident, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so that. He chucked it away. He chucked it. He threw it away. I yeah. I remember going to my mum, I think he's throwing it away. And she's like... She was horrified that I'd, I'm like, do you know what? I'm leaving you lot to this. You you believe in this. Yeah, yeah. He's thrown that away. And he looked so happy about it. You were so happy about it, just the attention. But yeah, they they were really... The teacher would say they were scatty. Do you know what I mean? That they were proper scatty. And sometimes Adrian was naughty. Like, just sit there at dinner and tell my mum to fuck off. You're like, man, this kid's crazy. He's like, fuck off. Yeah, a lot going on then, isn't it? Yeah. See, now he'd be diagnosed with ADD. Yeah. Wouldn't he? Which would probably be a problem. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because... I do think that all, it does give you a bit of the ADD character as well mm. when you come from that chaos, mm. don't you? I mean, I was really wild as a child, naughty. And I used to just get very fidgety. I couldn't sit down. Yeah. You know, I remember my teacher went to see... My grandma came in for the parents' day or whatever, and I must have been about nine or ten, and they said, we just let Sophie do what she wants now because she doesn't understand. See, yeah. You know, she'll get up and walk out of the room and you'll go, Sophie, where are you going? And she just said, oh, I'm going for a walk. <laughs> Kinda, there's no rules. She doesn't follow a rule book. Like, we used to play that game, Wink Murder. Oh, right, yeah. I hated it. Somebody's the killer, they wink at you, and then you have to put your head in your arms and put your head down. And it's just a trick of a teacher having a break. And it used to really irritate me because I didn't want my head down there for like 30 minutes. So I made a sign that said dead. And then I'd just carry on doing other activities. <laughs> but it's that, I was always wanting to do stuff. I had too much energy. Uh-huh. You know, always walking around in the classroom, which is why I eventually just stopped going to classes. Well, is it secondary or primary? Well, it started in primary, and then in secondary school, I just didn't really go to class. You know, I did, but I kind of did my own thing, really. Especially, like, mm. I remember with, um, like, cooking classes and sewing classes, mm. I'm like, oh, this is boring. I yeah. don't know. I don't want to do this. I can cook. Mm. I can't cook. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But it's like, why You'd am I being fine for yourself? Yeah, it's like, yeah. why don't I just do the homework that I was meant to do in this lesson? Yeah. Because I don't want to know how to make a shepherd's pie because we always make shepherd's pie. This yeah. It's boring. Algebra, I never thought, yeah. why am I doing algebra? I don't care. How is this going to be useful to me? Teach me how to, you know, what, you know, add up your vegetables. Fine. Show me how to use a calculator. Great. Fine. I'm done. You know what I mean? yeah I find it a very frustrating situation and it's that thing of like I don't know I think when you're quite young and you see a different world you're like do you know you see a lot of nonsense and stuff and I understand that you have to go to school and you have to learn to read and write but you also just think there's yeah. a bigger world out there there's stuff that happens out there yeah. and I don't know what this is and it's mm. all a bit I think it's all a bit pointless yeah I agree yeah I was I really find that I think probably in the same way as you you know yourself very young, don't you? You know exactly what you're into and what you're not into. Mm. By the time I started secondary school, you know, I was getting really bad reports from secondary school. Grandma was a bit distraught, you know, fair enough. And I just said, Grandma, don't worry about me. I remember being 11 going, I'll be fine. As soon as I leave school, I said, the academic system, Grandma, is not for me. I don't like how it works. It's not. I don't fit into this box. But mm. as soon as I leave, I'll be fine. You know, that was 11. And it was true, actually. I was fine when I left. Just that system wasn't for me, but a bit like you, you know, you know exactly what you're into, what you're not, and what works for you. I didn't like wearing uniform. I didn't like being told 
to turn up places all the time. I didn't, I didn't like it. Mm. You know, I really struggle with authority. And even more so than, yeah. How are you with all of it now? You're your own boss now, though. I mean, I've had to do that. Yeah, no, you have to be kind of a self-unemployed person, really. And then to eventually you're self-employed. Because yeah. I really struggle with... You know, when I worked at Subway, people telling you you had to wear the hat that said, get toasted. It's degrading <laughs> enough, isn't it? Being there for minimum wage. You know, I used to get so frustrated. I remember rearranging all the muffins because so it would be better functioning muffin station. And the guy got really irritated with me. He was like, you know, we have the muffins the way they are. I said, but it didn't work. Now the muffin system really works. We don't want you, you know, it's like, don't bring your creativity here. You know, you follow the system. <laughs> You know, it's fascists everywhere, isn't it? <laughs> I thought better working on my own. <laughs> fascists at Subway. Yeah, I hated it. Yeah, I didn't like. I'm not good with that kind of thing. Mm. You know, I had a waitressing job. Slam my penny on the counter, tell them to fuck off. You know, because I got in and it's like they see you for one minute. It was absolutely dead. Just relaxing because you think, well, it's dead. It's going to be busy. Sophie, quickly get the bleach. Quickly start bleaching the skirting board. You know, I did it yesterday. Why am I doing it again? You just you're trying to keep me busy because I look happy and relaxed for five seconds, and you want me to be miserable. You're on seventy p more than me, and you don't want my body to be relaxed for one single second, do you? Eventually, I slammed my pin and walked off. You know, I hated those systems. Mm. You know, and school's the same, isn't it? Yeah, it can be. I I, yeah. I used to turn up for school. Mm. I was good at being in school. I was just one of those kids. I think I was cheeky. Yeah, but I wasn't really naughty. I was, but naughty. I was. Get, I did used to get kicked out of class quite a bit. I can imagine. Yeah, it was fun. It was. I, you know, I had a laugh. I used to get kicked out. I, I didn't have a. I never took a bag. I never had a pen. Mm. <laughs> I never. I used to. My I friend always, used to have yeah. my pen in her pencil case. That's sweet. Good yeah, friend. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I used forgot to, was always mine. Yeah, I never used words. to have. Um, I never used to do. I never used to do, sometimes do PE. Well, yeah. when we used to play, I remember used to, when we used to play basketball, I did, but then when we played netball, I was like, I didn't realise that you had to keep stopping everywhere. I was like, I yeah. thought you could just run around. Well, it was like, very boring. Yeah. Right yeah. Under the it's like, oh, I used to be goal defence. It's like, because I could jump high. You're like, yeah, but I think I should be captain. I'm a free yeah. spirit. I should be able to run around. Like, no. Yeah. So, I, so I was like, right. So for a whole term, I wouldn't do sport because we were doing netball. Like, right. Well, that's I why you have to go and wash sport. the So I used to wash the mm. kit. We had to do wash the kit. Yeah. And then I used to do that, and then I used to iron the PE skirt. I used to love it. Yeah, yeah. I used to love it. Because you're on your own Yeah, time. man, I like you ironing. Can... I find yeah. it really therapeutic. So I'd be like, yeah, what are you doing? I'm ironing. Yeah. yeah what are you doing? And it's still a bit of exercise, yeah. isn't it? Good for the arms. Good. I think they could do a better engagement, or at least, than they did have then. Yeah. You know, if you're not into netball and stuff, you know, I think they could have it like a gym mm. where you, you have to do a certain amount of exercise a week, maybe three sessions a week, and you can go to whichever ones you I want kinda, to I kind of worry that, now about schools and like mass education of people because it doesn't, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't suit some people for whatever reason. I think yeah. just putting everybody through the same system and expecting the same results, it's just like, I don't know. I think we need to have a better thought about just who's in it it's not for everybody yeah. sitting and hearing information like mm. that for some people they say are more kinetic learners the more on the feet yeah. i'm an on the feet person you know when i'm writing something for a show or whatever i don't sit with the I'm, I'm, i'll get up i'll speak it out loud and record it and then i'll write it down you know yeah. not everybody is the same are they 
And I don't think, and especially with academies now, it's even worse, yeah. isn't it? When you think of like, the stress. Yeah. Even primary school children are under, to, you know, all these results, results. It's horrible. My friend actually works in an academy for children. And she had to turn around to a child who'd arrived with the tie knot on or something and go, would you turn, he's about eight years old, would you turn up to a job interview like that? <laughs> eight-year-old child worrying about job interviews. It's disgusting, isn't it? Do you know yeah. what? I think that's a good place to wrap up there, yeah. actually, Sophie. Thank you very much for letting yeah, me... Yeah, thank um... you. It's been good fun, hasn't it? Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Loco Parentis podcast. I've been Twana May. See you soon.